The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. We continue on our summer teaching series uh, through Psalm 119. So you've probably heard it said before that actions speak louder than words. And if this is true, then desires speak loudest of them all. If actions speak louder than words, then our desires speak loudest of them all. Desires drive us, don't they? Tonight, today, this morning we're talking about desiring God's word. And uh, desire is what gets us up in the morning. Desire is what motivates us uh, to do what we do throughout the day. Desire is what gets us back into bed at night. The desire to be recharged, the desire to get some rest. Uh, Desire motivates everything. Uh, We pursue things out of a desire. Comfort, money, power, even revenge is motivated by desire, some kind of desire. We'll be motivated to do just about anything if the desire for that thing is strong enough. Last week, we began to answer our second question for this summer, where we're asking three questions. What do I believe about God's Word? What should I feel about God's Word? And what do I do with God's Word? And last week we began that question, what do I feel about God's Word? The Bible talks so much about emotion that we should honor God with our emotions. Emotions, not just our actions, but how we feel is important to God. We're commanded to have joy. We're commanded to have gratitude. We're commanded to, towards peace and delight, even gentleness. We are commanded to these things. We're commanded to not worry or not be afraid. So God cares about our emotions and how we feel. And we should desire God's word. We should want God's word. We should pursue God's word. We should love God's word. Desire is an issue of of wanting, of wanting to read God's word and approach God's word and learn about what it has to say. Now, I know right off the bat, this is, Uh, maybe a stretch. This is a little difficult for some of you. You may be thinking, well, I'm not much of a reader. I'm I'm more of a doer. I'm I'm more of an experiencer. Give me something to do. Give me something to work with my hands. I mean, that is something, a way I can connect with God. Don't give me something to read. Give me something to do, something to act on. I feel like I can engage with God in that way. But if you ask me to sit down and read something for an extended period of time, That's just not the kind of person that I am. Reading a 300-page book is not something that makes me relax. But think about this. What if I told you this? It turns out that uh, you're actually the only surviving relative of a very wealthy person. And this person has left a will, and in that will describes his, basically, his inheritance to you. Well, I guess I can read a little. I guess I, I guess I don't hate reading that much. Let's see what it has to say. 
I guess a little reading never hurt anybody. Same thing if you're remembering names or uh, if it comes to being a good listener. I've heard maybe you're one of those people. I, uh, I'm, I've used to be, I've gotten better at this, but you know, not good at memorizing names. You know, I'm just not good. I'm not a names person. I'm, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a good listener. It's something I struggle with. If you're a single guy and the most beautiful woman introduced herself to you and all of a sudden you're great at remembering names. You, don't have, you do have a memory. You do have incredible listening skills when you want to enough. Or reading a scouting report for the newest recruits for the U of A. Or reading the details of you know, Princess Charlotte's christening. I mean, I don't know what you're into. Whatever. <laughs> what do you desire? And it comes down to desire. So at least when we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about loving God's word, and we're talking about all these, these uh, disciplines and practices and, and beliefs and things that we should have as it relates to the scripture that, that God has given to us. I want us to be honest and think about, it's not that we don't like reading the Bible. It's not that we don't like reading or that we're not good readers, but that we don't see the Bible as desirable. We don't desire God's word because we do not believe it contains surpassing, superior, and immeasurable benefit for our lives. And if we can be fair with that, then we can, I think, begin to open up our heart and mind and say, okay, well then, let's learn. Let's approach God's word and and really learn what it has to say about this issue. Because if I gave you something important enough to read that you believed was desirable, you would read it, and you would remember it, and you would love it, and you would read it again tomorrow, and you would wake up the next day and you would read it, and you wouldn't be able to, uh, to, to wait until the next time that you could pick it up and read it, if you desired it enough. And this is what we enter into this morning, is we see, we, we, we have this personal journal from this psalmist, King David, he's writing these, these internal thoughts, these internal desires. We don't generally feel what he says here in Psalm 119, verse 162. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil, coming across like a, a buried treasure, a hidden treasure that you've been looking for your entire life, that people have been searching for, and you are the one that found it. You got that, that golden ticket. You got that pearl of great price. You got... You found the great spoil. Look at what I have. You would walk into the sanctuary and you see a Bible under every chair. I didn't hear anybody say, look at all the Bibles you have. How amazing. Like it was some kind of buried treasure. This is the psalmist's internal desire and internal working of his heart. He says, when I come across your word, it's like I just found great treasure that I've been searching for my whole life. So Psalm 119 is this personal journal entry of an experience with God, an inside experience. We see what desire for God's word really looks like. The psalmist presents to us features of desiring God's word. These features are going to describe what a mature and honest look at a relationship with God really looks like. And I want them to accomplish something this morning. Would you do something with us? Um, I want you to I want this to accomplish something for you. I want, I want it to test you. I want you to ask yourself a question as we read through this. I want you to ask yourself, is this me? Does this describe me? Am I the kind of person that is uh, desiring God's word in this way? 
And second, I want it to challenge you. I want it to discipline you. Would you ask yourself, how can I embrace this in my life? How can I practice these things? How can I embrace this and, and learn to grow in this discipline and in, this, uh, in this, this piece of wisdom that's offered in God's word? And so let's read uh, Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. We'll read uh, this whole stanza here. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So let's cover a few principles, a few features of what it looks like to desire God's word. The first feature of desiring God's word is a longing for companionship with him. We want to be with God. You know the scene well. You've seen it in the movies. There's, it's pouring rain outside. The person runs out into the streets after just like a horrible day, just the worst day ever. And he looks up to the heavens and with a fist clenched, he says, if you are out there, God, if you are listening, show yourself to me. This kind of longing that is demonstrated in a person like that, that just looks up and like out into nothing, just screams out like, show yourself, make yourself known. It is never an authentic expression of what it looks like to really long for God. He says, with my whole heart, I seek you. In verse 10, he says, my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You know, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that we find God as a result of seeking after him. But what the Bible does say is that we seek God because he has already sought after us. That he has already given us a longing for him. This is one of the first graces, first uh, symptoms of God's grace in our life, is that we start to have this, this hunger for him, this appetite for him, this longing for him. Do you see what he says in, in verse 10 again? With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. He says, I'm seeking you, so don't let me slip away. Isn't that bizarre? Think about this again. I'm looking for you because you have already found me. I seek you because you've revealed your word to me and your way to me. So I'm I'm looking for you because you are already present in my life. Let me put it another way. That dissatisfaction with God's absence is a sign of God's presence. Have you ever missed God? You know you have found God. You know that He has sought after you. When you long for His presence and the perceived absence of God in your life makes you thirsty for Him. When was the last time you were truly aware that you missed God? When was the last time you ever uttered those words, God, I miss you. Now, maybe you're thinking, I could never imagine a kind of relationship with God where I would say that. 
Maybe you're thinking, I, I, I can't, I'm just not that kind of person. Maybe you've never felt that way, and I hope that you will gain an appetite like that. That you will long for God's presence so much that the, his perceived absence will break your heart. And then you will feel, I just have to get back into that community with him. I need to pursue him. I need to long for him. Like I'm dehydrated and I thirst for God in my life. Because that kind of longing is a victory of authentic faith. It is a victory of authentic faith and a true relationship with God when we long for that true companionship with Him. Look at what satisfies David in in verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways in 15. I will delight in your statues, statues. I will not forget them. What's happening here? David is meditating. What is meditating? It's, it's thinking, thinking really deeply, considering very intentionally God's word. So what brings David just pleasure and satisfaction and, and joy? Just thinking on God's word. This is big. There's a difference between longing after God, desiring God for what he gives to us, his blessings and what he does for us, and there's a difference between that and just wanting God, wanting him, longing for him. What brings rest and peace to David? Just thinking about him, who he is, what he is like, his nature, his character, his works, his word. He's just thinking about him. Have you ever come to a place of of joy or contentment just thinking about God? And nothing in your life has changed. No circumstance has changed. You didn't get get a new job. You didn't uh, get a new home. You didn't get a new companion or friend. Nothing in your life has changed. And yet, just thinking about God and entering into His Word, you, all, you found yourself feeling joyful, content, at rest. This is what David is saying. He said, just thinking on your Word, this is what satisfies me. Because I want you. I don't want all these things that you give me, but I'm longing for you. I'm desiring you in my life. We can spot something troubling in a relationship when somebody desires that relationship for what it gives them rather than just that person. My wife was on a long trip and you saw me one day and, and, and saw that I was downcast. You saw I was discouraged and I missed her and you said, what's wrong? I said, well, I just missed my wife. I don't have any clean laundry. You might think, that's all well and good. No one likes to have no clean laundry, but that's, that's why you miss her? There's a difference between longing for someone, wanting someone in your life, missing the presence of them in your life, and just missing the things that they give you. All the people, all people have a, a general desire for God, but true faith in God is a longing for companionship with Him, a longing for Him, a longing for God Himself. And a perceived absence of him in our life brings us grief. David came to a place where if he had an experience with God, where he had God in his life, if he had a relationship with him and his love from him, he didn't need anything else. He says so many times in Psalm 119, more than we can count, he says, your word is better than riches. Your word is, is, your love is better than life. Your your companionship is better than life. He says, "Your, your companionship is life. You in my life is life. That is my life. It's not just better than life. It, it is everything. Desiring God's, God means that we 
become satisfied with Him, not because of what He does for us, but because of who He is. And where do we cultivate that longing, that kind of longing? Maybe you don't have that desire for God, or maybe that doesn't describe your relationship with Him. We cultivate that through God's Word. By coming to His Word and reading through it, and giving our time through a thoughtful study of it, where we present ourselves to God's Word and say, God, would you show me who you are? Teach me who you are. Let me know who you are and what you have done. There is no place like God's Word. There is no benefit like getting into God's Word and reading what He has given to us. Look at Psalm 119, verse 131. It says, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. The psalmist looks around and he looks at all the animal world. He looks at all the created world and he says, what describes this feeling that I have for God's word? And he sees a deer panting for water. He sees a deer that maybe is exhausted through being hunted or through not being able to drink or eat anything. He's out of breath and the psalmist says, that's it. That describes how my heart is longing for God. This exhausted panting, this hunger and thirst for him. He longs for this relationship and companionship so much, and he finds it as he meditates on God's Word. We desire God's Word because it is there the longings of the heart for companionship with God are satisfied. Why do we love God's Word? Why do we desire God's Word? Because our desire to know Him, to, to enjoy friendship with Him, to feel that that his presence and companionship, even in the presence of chaos in our life, is because it is satisfied in God's word. Here's the test. As I said, I wanted you to test yourself and I wanted you to discipline yourself and challenge yourself. Here's the test. Do you desire God's word like that? Do you desire God in such a way that you would go to his word and say, I just want to be with you. I want to be close to you. I want to search for you and know you. And so I'm going to go and come and present myself to your word. I'm going to search for you. Or do you desire just the things that he gives? Do you have a hunger to know him, to meditate on his ways? Do you delight in his character and his nature? Do you thirst for more time with God? Does his perceived absence in your life bring you grief? And if not, here's the discipline. What we need, I think, instead of a, a, like when we are struggling with patience or anger or temptation, instead of Googling scriptures that talk about patience, we go to God's word and we say, God, I want to know you. Teach me who you are. Let me understand you. Give me understanding. Give me wisdom. I long for you in my life. So we pursue his word to understand his holiness, not just to get the gift of patience. We pursue his word to understand wisdom, not just to get his gifts of mercy. We pursue his word to understand his power, not just to get the gift of protection. So we do this. We pursue him to know him. Here's the second feature of desiring God's word. is an honest understanding of what destroys us. See, we ultimately pursue what we desire. Verse 9 says, how does, a, how does a, a man keep his way pure? How does he keep his way pure? He guards it according to your word. And so the Bible says that 
there's a war that carries on within our heart. A war between our flesh and the spirit. The flesh are, are desires that work themselves out in a way that's not glorifying to God, that's in a sinful way, that pursues uh, things that are apart from God's character and out of harmony with him. And then there's the spirit of God that, that desires to glorify God through obedience and transform us into a life that is honoring to him. And the psalmist, David, finds himself in the midst of this war. You know, when we, when we become a Christian, and even in the journey of our spiritual maturity, so if you're, I don't know if you're a new believer, or you've been uh, a Christian for many, many years, or maybe you are uh, not a Christian and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, what does this look like? What happens in my life? What changes in my life if I were to become a Christian and, and trust in Christ? Something surprising happens, and this is good for all of us to know, wherever you are on that spectrum. And I see it with every Christian. That when we start trusting in Christ, our sinful desires don't forfeit themselves. Our sinful desires don't say, okay, she's a Christian now, let's pack our bags and go home, let's give up. I mean, they trust Jesus, so our work is done here. But we don't see that. Instead, we see a war that rages on. We see intense temptation. We see that uh, many circumstances don't, don't change. We see that there is still uh, sadness. There is still anger. There is still uh, lust. There is still bitterness. There is still jealousy and envy. There is still uh, seeds of self-righteousness within our hearts that lead us away from God's grace and towards a salvation that depends only on us. We see all these things. Desire is like, like a hunter that pursues its prey. Desire doesn't go away. Desire is satisfied. It, it seeks after satisfaction. If you're thirsty, you're not satisfied until you get a drink. If you're hungry, you're not satisfied until you eat. Desires in our heart are like this. They need to find a home. They need to find satisfaction. And they hunt for it. And only in Christ we're introduced to this struggle, this conflict of competing desires. A desire to love God and a desire to give in to temptation on the other side. And the pleasure David seeks is found in in verse 9 through 11. How do I keep my way pure? By guarding it according to your word. My whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The pleasure of enjoying God's word comes from reframing the desires of our heart to find satisfaction in God. The pleasure comes from reframing those desires to find satisfaction in God. The Hebrew language is is full of just beautiful word pictures. This is what I loved about, uh, it's very different from Greek. I mean, Greek, much like the Greek people uh, then, were very uh, uh, kind of a... uh, Type A personality, very uh, linear, very uh, systematic, uh, very uh, mathematical, very by-the-book kind of people, uh, very black and white. The Hebrew people uh, were the opposite. They were, they were animated. They were very emotional. Uh, very, um, uh, they were caricatures of just personality, and their language fit them very well. It was descriptive. One word was described in like a whole paragraph. And he says here in the Hebrew language, he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And this word stored up is so beautiful and I want you to enjoy it as I have come to enjoy it 
through studying this. You know, he says it means to, to hide away for the specific purpose of ambush in battle. So we might look at that and say, well, you stored up your words, so that just means, well, I'm just going to read it and I'm just going to try to memorize it and keep it in my heart. But David says, I'm going to get your word and I'm going to store it up in my heart and I'm going to hide it away for the purpose of when that battle happens, when that temptation comes, it, is, it attacks. I am going to uh, have a guard at every door of my heart. I am going to put snipers on the rooftop. I'm going to put tanks on the ground. I am going to have plenty of ammunition. I am going to be ready. And, and I'm going to go to your word, and I am going to keep it, and I'm going to use it for my protection. Because the sin in my heart, the desires in my heart, are prone to wickedness, prone to evil, and they will destroy me. So where is my protection? Your word. David understood what destroyed him. He understood what would tempt him. He understood what would uh, cause him to wander from the presence of God. And he didn't want that to happen. And so he said, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to keep your word close. I'm going to have a team of people, a team of captains and a team of soldiers stored up in my heart, ready for action. Do you go to God's word in that way? Going to God's word saying, God, I need, I need your word for protection. I know that my heart is deceitful. My thoughts are wicked. I am prone to wander from you, so protect me. I can't spare a day without you. Because eventually our desires will express themselves destructively or appropriately. We cannot see our sins as, as merely just character flaws or things that we're working on or things that we want to grow in. It is sin, and sin is wandering from God. And when we wander from God, we find chaos, we find pain, we find destruction. And the Word of God, what it does is the Word of God exposes our heart in the way that nothing else can. It surgically brings to light what is unhealthy so that, we can, so that what is out of order may be put right. It cuts through our heart. It cuts out that disease. The Word of God awakens our faith. It stretches our faith. It strengthens us to resist sin and turn to God for satisfaction. Faith is the instrument of our salvation. It's the instrument of our salvation. The instrument of our courage. Faith is the instrument of our joy, the instrument of our self-control. Faith is the instrument of our transformation into more and more to be like Jesus. Justification, being right with God, being right with God comes through faith alone. And, and the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so think of it like this. If, if we are thirsty, if we are hungry, if we are thirsty, if we are longing for God, Jesus is the water, as he says. Jesus is the water. Our faith is the bucket, the instrument of that justification. And God's word is the well. You tracking with me? Jesus satisfies. Our faith in believing in him and trusting in him is the instrument of that salvation. And God's word is the well, the deep well that, that shows us who he is and what he has done. It reveals to us our need. It reveals to us our hope and our joy. It reveals to us the power of God. 
alive in us. So here is the test, because our hearts are so sluggish. We often don't feel the depth of God's uh, affection the way that we should. Here's the test. Do you desire God's word to shape your attitudes, to shape your behaviors into more and more like Jesus? Do you say, God, I want to be more like you, so I'm going to go to your word. I'm going to go to that well, and I'm going to dig out as, as much as I can so that I can find satisfaction in you. And here's the discipline. Will you direct your thinking? Will you direct your attitudes and your thoughts and your behavior? Will you reframe, reframe your passions? Will you curb your appetite for things that are unhealthy and impure things? Will you transform your desires through going to God's word? Say, God, my, my heart is deceitful. My mind is wicked. I'm thinking of things in the wrong way. My desires are working themselves out in the wrong way, and I need to go to your word to find satisfaction for them. And here's the last feature of desiring God's word, is a vision for eternal joy. Here's why David goes to God's word and desires it so much, because he has a vision for eternal joy. Most, most people deep down, don't you think, have really the same desires, the same deep down desires. We all want the same thing. We all want... Uh, to be happy, we want to be content, we want belonging and friendship, companionship, we want to feel uh, like we have a purpose and value in our life, we want to be appreciated by people around us. These are basic things. We want to be loved and, ex- loved and accepted. So where do we go to learn about these things? Where do we go to learn about the good life and the vision for how we should live our life? Do we look at the earth? Do we look at kind of an inner, exper- inner experience that we have? Do we look at... Uh, community standards or cultural expressions for how we should live our life. The Bible tells us that only God can tell us about God. You want to know the deep desires of a person, you go to the spirit of that person. The Bible says no one knows the spirit that no one knows what a man's really like except the spirit of that man and no one knows God except the spirit of God. And that spirit of God has been given to us. It illuminates the words of scripture so that we can truly know who God is like. God speaks, and he speaks to us, not just to give us information and transfer things that are helpful for us. He speaks so that we can begin to know the unknowable, so that we can search the unsearchable, so we can attain the unattainable. Look at what he says in in, in verse 18. He says, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. And in verse 27, Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. The wonders of God. He's going to God's word, and he's saying, teach me the wonders in here. Teach me the the wonderful things, the magnificent things, the things that are beyond me. You know what things that are, think about it. What are the things that are wonder, like wondrous, wonderful? Think Think of the word, just the root word, wonder. It's things that are, full of wonder, are extraordinary. They're beyond us. They're outside of us. There's things that we don't know. There's a mystery to it. And God's word is full of wonder. God is saying, come and see what I am like. Come and see the unsearchable. Come know the unknowable. Come attain the unattainable. Come fathom in your life the unfathomable. And God is saying, come and see the joy and love that you can't even comprehend. 
Come and see the surpassing, supreme, and ultimate benefits that belong to all who delight in me. And this is the good news of the cross, the good news of forgiven and redeemed people. It's the good news that you won't find anywhere else but in the Word of God. That those who were once distant from God, that those who were once enemies of God, that those who were uh, sinners apart from God, God draws near. And He says, come know me, come enjoy, come delight in what I've done for you. The Word of God is the power of promised joy. Verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. I will meditate. It is my meditation all the day. These are not the words of a bored Christian. These are not the words of a, a bored person that says, I'm just bored with God's word. It's just too long. There's too much. I don't understand it. This is, these are the words of a person who desires God so much, desires the words of God, because... He knows what's inside of him. He knows what eats him up. He longs for relationship with God and companionship with God. And he has a vision for the wonders of God. The Bible says that no one has seen. No one can even comprehend the surpassing things that God has prepared for all those who love him. You don't even know. If you have found yourself like in a place where you love God, where you enjoy him, God is saying, you are barely scratching the surface of of the power of the joy that I can bring. And so we search his word. Are you spiritually bored? Here's the final test. Are you spiritually bored? Then you are not desiring God's word. Ask God to awaken your bored heart with the wonder of his word. And I pray that we would be people that go to the scriptures not because we think that it's the right thing to do or it's the good Christian thing to do or that because God will like us better, but that we go because we thirst for it and it satisfies us. Let's pray.